Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Liverpool One Church, and a happy Father's Day to every single one of you. Go ahead and take your seats. I'm so glad that you're in the room today. Hot as it is, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad for you who've tuned in and you're watching online. And we do look forward to the day that you do join us in service. I know it's warm today, but hey, I ain't complaining because we wait all year round for this, right? Sincerely, happy Father's Day. And I know Father's Day finds us all in different phases of our life. Some of us have fathers that we're celebrating and others of us have never known our fathers. Some of, our, some, of our, some of us have had to say goodbye to our fathers. Some of us are not yet fathers and others are brand new fathers. But I want to salute every man in this place today who provides a covering for his family who looks after and works diligently hard just to be there for them. Because so often, and I'm going to put myself out there and say, as women, we will often talk about what you do not do and what you do not get done. And very rarely rarely do we celebrate just the due diligence that you do going to work every single day just providing, just being present, just being there. And it's important that we remember that today. It's important that we celebrate you. I, for one, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for a great father in my own home. I'm grateful for the father of my children. I'm grateful for Luke and his leadership. And I'm not saying that to get brownie points because he ain't in the house today. But I'm so grateful for his nose as much as his yeses, because his no has led me well, as much as his yes has led me well. Because he's been a guy for me and my family when I have really wanted something, but it's been an unwise decision, but I want it now, or I want it today, that he's been able to stand when his wife is pouting and when the kids are shouting, he's been the guy who's been able to say no. And no looks like love, as much as yes looks like love. Do you know when we look back in the book of Genesis, Do you know that Adam's first sin was not eating of the fruit? Adam's first sin was lack of leadership in his family. You see, we often think about Eve being over here and taking the fruit and having this little combo with the serpent. And then she runs it back over here because Adam's somewhere else in the garden. But actually, when you read the account in Genesis 3, it says the woman took the fruit and then she gave some to her husband who was with her. He knew what she was doing was wrong and he said nothing. Nothing. Lack of leadership in his family was the first sin. So I want to say a thank you 
not only to the dads, but I want to say thank you to the men who lead in this house. I want to say thank you to the men who serve in this house, to the men who give up their time to brave heart to look after all the women in the house. I applaud you and I celebrate you and I thank you. And if I could say anything to the brand new dads of the house, I would say, lead your family with no's as well as yeses and lead with diligence and lead well. But before we get into today's message, because that wasn't it, I've been preparing, studying, sweating. I mean, I know God's in this because I've had a preach sweat on, not a heat wave sweat on. So it's going to be a good one in the house today. But before we get into today's message, I want to pray because we need to give thanks to the ultimate father first. The one who loves us, the one who shaped us and fashioned us and formed us and the one who gave you breath to get out of bed this morning. So heavenly father, we make way for you in the house today. God, I thank you. There's already a sweet presence of your Holy Spirit here. God, without you, we are merely existing, just rolling from day to day to day without purpose, just functioning, God, without faith. And Lord, I thank you that your presence is here for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is so we as people can connect with you. So I pray, Father God, that you help me today to speak in a way that I heard you this week. That, Father God, that we would have our hearts ready and receptive because we do know, God, that your word is only effective, not because it comes from a platform on a Sunday, but it's only effective when we choose to take what we've heard and apply it to our lives. And so I pray, Father God, that this day will go your way as we give you reign in this house. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So we have been in this series called How to Sabotage Your Life. And we've been looking at different ways of sabotaging. And last week, found me with a very quiet congregation as we went through a list of 10 things that you could identify if you have this thing called hurry sickness. And I don't know how life group's gone for you this week, but I bet you've had some real challenging conversations. Well, this week, I have been looking into this subject, how to sabotage your strength. I don't know if it was because it was Father's Day coming up and I was just thinking, you know, of all the men who like to be all buff and all strong. And please don't tell me that, oh, no, no, that's not me, because I've raised a house full of men and I know what it is like. It is like every single day there was wrestling matches. Everything in my house got broken. And I, and I don't exaggerate. From mirrors to cookers to Everything got broken. Football in the hall was just normal, so it went straight through the window numerous times. And so there's just something hardwired within boys that they just want to prove their physical strength. They would wrestle all of the time. I remember one time um, bending down. My cooker in my old house was low down. And bending down to lift a roast chicken out the cooker. But Solomon, who was five, took that position as 
a wrestling indication. And as I picked the roast chicken hot fat up, he dived on my back. And with this child swinging round my neck, I'm desperately trying not to drop the hot fat. And I remember Luke saying to him, Saul, you cannot wrestle your mum to the floor like you wrestle your brothers to the floor. She's a girl. We don't do that. But arm wrestling across the dinner table was just an everyday thing. Everybody wanted to prove their strength. Even now, they are all adults. We can be going to bed. And I promise you, this happens often. Someone will shout, but I can do more press-ups than you. Mainly my husband's voice. Because as the boys have all grown, he still has to prove who is the Don Juan in the house. And just like that, at silly o'clock at night, they will all drop to the floor and start doing press-ups. For who? Why? Who cares? Like, there's just something hardwired within them. Like, I gotta be the strongest one in the house. But strength does not just relate to muscle. So just let me bring every girl back into the room right now. Strength does not just relate to muscle. Because it takes a strong person to persevere. It takes a strong person to say no when it seems like everybody else is saying yes. Courage is another word for strength. Diligence is another word for strength. It takes strength to be able to stay in a marriage when you feel like you want to quit and walk. It takes strength to raise your kids right. It doesn't take a strong person to raise kids but it takes strength to raise your kids right. So strength comes in physical forms. You can have mental strength and you can have emotional strength. Strength is your capacity to be able to do or carry something. Think about a brick wall. A brick wall, it looks sturdy and it looks strong. But even a brick wall is built with capacity. You lean anything too heavy for that brick wall to bear and the whole thing is going to come crashing down because there is a limit to what it can hold. But do you know that as a follower of Christ, and here's the good news right from the outset, as a follower of Christ, you do not have to just rely on your own limit of strength. You don't have to just rely on your own capacity to be strong. But when you are in times of pressure, when you feel like you need to stand strong, when you feel like you are buckling weak with the problems around you, there is a promise of God in the Bible of him adding his spiritual strength to your natural strength. Okay? Now, spiritual strength is what comes upon you and it takes you above and beyond to be able to do further and more than what is humanly possible. God wants to give you a strength in your life that will equip you to do more than what is humanly 
possible. That's what spiritual strength is. Spiritual strength takes you above and beyond. So at any point in your life when you need to endure, when you need to push through, when you need to stand firm, when you need to overcome, when you need to figure it out, when you need to stand strong, at any point you can call on the spiritual strength of the Lord and he will supernaturally strengthen your strength so you can endure, persevere, stand strong more than any other natural human being would be able to because you have spiritual strength inside of you. That's why David was able to say in Psalm 59, I will sing of your strength for you are my refuge in times of trouble. It's why the prophet Isaiah was able to write, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It is why the the apostle Paul said, I will boast more gladly in my weakness because it's when I am weak that you are strong. Listen, if you're praying for this picture-perfect problem-free life, Do you know you're ebbing God out? You see, the only time God has to be able to prove his strength is when you are weak. Because then he has an opportunity to be strong. How is the world ever going to see a strong God if you've just got it all together all of the time? So there are times and seasons when you're going to be weak. Why? Not because the devil's attacking you and bringing you down and it's all caving in around you. Because God is expecting you to call upon the Lord and have your new strength renewed, hope upon him, wait upon him. And by the way, when the Bible says wait upon the Lord, it's not like sitting at a bus stop. It's more like a waiter in a restaurant serving you. I'm going to keep serving you, Lord, while I'm waiting. I'm serving you, Lord, while I'm waiting. He says, I'm going to renew your strength. And so we have this strength that's upon us, but in our moments of weakness, that's when God is strong. They're just a few accounts of a few people who were able to say, and there's many, many accounts in the Bible of people who were able to say, when I couldn't do it, when I got to the end of myself, when I felt like I was caving in, that's where my God took over. And I don't think we can talk about strength without referring to a character in the Bible who was known as the strongest man who ever lived. His name was Samson, and he was known for his physical strength. Now, you may not know the full story of Samson. You may have heard about him at school or Sunday school, but this I've decided. I've come to the conclusion that Samson did not look anything like my Sunday school books depicted. Because My Sunday school books showed this young Arnold Schwarzenegger with like bulging biceps, washboard stomach, and like this mighty, mighty warrior. I actually don't think Samson looked like that because throughout Samson's life, if you read the story, he was repeatedly asked a question. And the question was, what is the secret of your strength? So if everyone could see his bulging biceps, they wouldn't have to ask, what's the secret of your strength? And so... I don't think that Samson was a big man, but I think he had strength and ability that went beyond his natural physique, which caused people to go, what is the secret of your strength? Like, you've got a secret source in there, Samson. Like, what is the secret to your strength? Because his strength wasn't something he developed. His strength was given to him by God. 
And strength that is given by God is unseen. And so, throughout Samson's life, when you read the story, we're told different accounts of when the Lord supernaturally empowered Samson and he did strong things. In Judges 14, it tells us about a time when Samson's walking down the road and a lion comes out of the bushes to attack him. And it says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. And he tore that lion apart with his bare hands. Sorry, all you animal lovers. But he tore that lion apart. It was not humanly possible. But when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he was able to do that which was not humanly possible because he was not acting in his own strength. In Judges 15, it tells us another snippet of his story. It says that when he was captured by the Philistines and he was tied up, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and he snapped the ropes of his arms as though they were burnt strands of flax and they fell from his wrists. So we're not talking about a bit of string. We're talking about ropes, big, thick ropes he was bound with. He snapped them like as though they were nothing. They fell from his wrists. And then it says, <laughs> he saw a dead donkey. He got the jawbone of the donkey. And with the jawbone, he killed a thousand Philistine men, just like that. That is not humanly possible. Nothing in that story is humanly possible. But it always starts with the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you are able to do that which you could not ordinarily do. He will give you mental strength above and beyond your own mental strength to keep on going when you just feel like giving up. He will give you emotional strength to overcome the adversity that is facing you so you don't cave with the emotion, but you can stand against it and you can be strong. He can give you strength to slay the giant that stands before you and he will cause you to stand firm when everybody else said you should have fallen apart. You should have caved in. I don't even know how you're still going. I love what T.D. Jake says. He says, well, you can take a licking and keep on kicking. He says, you know, it's like when the enemy is doing all that he can and throwing everything that he can at you, but somehow you're still going. Like, you're still walking. His strength is unseen. And when other people see what you've come through, the adversity you've been through, what you've overcome, what you've endured, and you're not just still standing, but your life is flourishing, they too are going to look at you and go, how? What's the secret of your strength? Where do you get strength like that after the divorce, after the death? after the breakup, after the bad news, after the tragedy? Where do you get the strength to keep on going? Because strength that is not seen can only be given by God. So Samson's that kind of guy. He's gifted by God with supernatural strength from birth. Um, when his mother was pregnant, she was instructed by God about this child. They were, he was a Nazarite by that, that he, 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 was a, he was a Nazarite man, and his mother was instructed that his hair must never be cut. Now, we all know this story of Samson. It was all about the hair, the hair, the hair, the hair. My husband hates this story. And um, I don't know why I said that. And anyway, but it was never really about his hair. 
You see, the Nazarite people, they would make promises to God, vows before God, and they're not cutting of their hair was symbolic that I've been set apart for the purpose of God. The hair was symbolic. I, I, have, a, I have a band on my finger, and, and it doesn't really mean a great deal to anyone, but it does to my husband, because it says that I've been set apart as his wife. I made a covenant with him. So when the Nazarites chose not to cut their hair, they were saying, I, I'm set apart for God's purpose. God purposed Samson. He gave him strength for a reason. Samson was to grow to be a judge, a ruler in the land of Israel. And the reason that God strengthened him was so that he could have victory over the Phil- Philistine enemy who was who was absolutely lording over Israel at the time. So God said, I'm going to raise up a strong man who's going to defeat this enemy once and for all. That was the purpose. You see, when God gifts you, it's always for a purpose. He doesn't just gift you for no reason at all. He doesn't give you strength for no reason at all. God gifts you always for reason. And so he was set apart for purpose. Do you know that when we ask Jesus Christ to become our Lord and Savior, we're consecrated. We're set apart for purpose. And, and, and you might be saying, well, I never had a word from the Lord about me hairstyle. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. No, no. Can I tell you, you had a book full of them. It's called the Bible. And it wasn't about the hair, but it was about Samson obeying the word of the Lord. And so when you obey the word of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and help you stand against the enemy or the adversity or the problem that comes against you. So Samson, though he had great strength, he had an equally great weakness. Though he was a good man, he had a side to him that was not so good. Though he was a powerful man, he was at times quite a passive man. In many ways, Samson was much like you and I because his story is a story. It's a mixed bag of highs and lows because though he knew God, though he trusted God, though he knew he was purposed by God, he didn't always do right by God. Samson got mixed up. Samson then messed up. And every time Samson's life went off piste, and every time Samson messed up, he'd come to his senses. He'd remember who he was. He'd vow to himself, next time, I'm going to do it better. Is this resonating with anyone today? Like, next time, I'm not going to do that again. I always do that thing. Not going to do it again. Next time, I'm going to be better. That was until next time came around. Uh, I don't know how it is for you, you know, but sometimes I think I've got an evil twin on the inside of me that I try to keep suppressed and I try to keep away from everybody else. You might know what that feels like. I look good on the outside, but I'm a bit of a mess on the inside, but nobody would know because all I ever let people see is the outside. I'm successful and I'm determined on the outside. Oh, but if you could see the inside, the bouts of anxiety, the late night activity that I'm addicted to, it's like 
There's another side of me that people don't see. I'm living on the outside, but I'm dying on the inside. I've got it going on publicly, but privately, I'm a mess. I'm trying to do, to get done all what's on my mind to get done, but my evil twin won't let me forget what I have done. And so the weakness on the inside of me, it's as great as the strength that has been given to me. And there's this wrestle. And what happens is these become cycles in our life that we go through life and repeat. I promise you this, if you're over the age of 20, you can start to look back on your life and identify your patterns of pitfall because they are patterns. When we're working through with people um, over a problem or an issue or a situation, one of the questions we always ask ourselves is, what does, our, what does their history tell us? And you must always do that in relationship with people. What does their history tell us? Because if you look back on a person's life and they are repeating the same pattern over again, that's a problem. But if it's not repetitive, then it was just a mistake. And so this is where Samson finds us. Samson has a pattern going on in his life. The, the same thing that tripped Samson up the first time was the same thing that tripped Samson up the next time, which was the same thing that tripped Samson up the next time. He had a problem, and his weakness was with women. Not just any women, the wrong kind of women. You see, the purpose of God giving Samson strength was to make him a great warrior leader over the nation of Israel to defeat their arch enemy, the Philistines. But the problem was, it was the Philistine women he kept falling in love with. Okay, most of us will be familiar with the story, Samson and Delilah. Ain't no one want to call the daughter Delilah. Like, yeah, so... We're familiar with the story of Samson and Delilah, but you, the reason you know that was because Delilah ended up being the one who brought him down. But what you might not know was before Delilah, there were other women. Samson had a weakness. Samson had a problem. So all through Samson's life, we see a pattern. He's strong in war, but he's weak in relationships. And so the enemy knew that Samson had supernatural strength, but the enemy didn't have to worry about his strength. He just had to focus on the pattern of his weakness. The Philistines didn't have to come up with a battle plan to wage war against Samson. They just found a woman to deceive him. Why? Because the enemy mastered the pattern of his weakness. And I want to be able to tell you today, the enemy can never use anything new against you because he's not a creator. He's only an imitator. So he will take what he knows about you and use it against you. Listen, if, if it was something new, I don't know why we all think the enemy is going to turn up like this in a red devil suit with a pitchfork and we can be, aha, I'm a Christian. Get behind me. Listen, he's got you in before you even know you're in. Why? Because it's something that's always been familiar to you that you've never rooted out. And so 
He will only ever use what is familiar to you to undo you. He'll look at the trajectory of your life and he'll find where your weakness is. Have you ever heard the expression out of the frying pan and into the fire? We say that about people who just seem to go from one problem to the next. Like, why is it some people just come through one problem and they're straight into the next? Like, you were dating Jimmy, but Jimmy was abusive to you, right? So you ended it with Jimmy, and now you're dating Johnny, and he's no better for you. Because the name of the guy might have changed, but the nature of the relationship has not. Why? Because the enemy knows the pattern of your weakness. The enemy knows what carrots to dangle before you, what buttons to press on you. He knows the pattern of your finances. He knows the pattern of your um, conversation, knows the pattern of your marriage. He knows the pattern in your kids. He knows the pattern of your anger. Oh, he knows what triggers you. He knows the pattern of your fear. He knows your patterns. And he knows exactly what to do to bring you down. So the Philistines knew Samson's weakness. This is how it reads in Judges 16, verse 4. It says, Sometimes later, he, being Samson, fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sirach, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said to her, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength so that we can overpower him and that we may tie him up and subdue him and each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So the Philistines have this woman now that they're using as bait and this woman is in Samson's life. And listen, in this next portion, we're going to learn our most valuable lesson. Because here's a woman and she's playing him and we know she's playing him because she's just taken a huge bribe from the Philistine army to um, capture Samson and to be the undoing of him. In verse 16, so let me just say what happens just prior to verse 16. She starts to seduce him. She starts toying with him and playing him and repeatedly asking him, Samson, baby, what's the secret? Oh, if you loved me, you'd tell me. What's the secret of your strength? She's manipulating him. And you can read this story for yourself. I have not time to go through it. But honestly, it's just like flirtatious play. And Samson's just playing along with it and going along with it. But it says this in verse 16. After a few days, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Ain't no man in this room know what that scripture means. Like, don't any guy ever say, I don't understand the Bible, because you know perfectly well what that line means. She was sick to death of it, so he told her everything. He said, no razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she went to the rulers of the Philistines. She said, come back. She said, come back once more. He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. And after putting him to sleep in her lap, so she's wooed him to sleep. She's stroking his hair. She called for someone to shave off his seven braids of hair and so began to subdue him and his strength 
left him. Then she called. So now he's on her lap. Where is he? He's in a safe place. He thinks him and Delilah are like that. He thinks she feels about him the way he feels about her. So his head is on her lap. Now she's playing games with him. She calls, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as before and I'll just shake myself free of them. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. (laughs) The enemy used seduction to cut off Samson's strength. And the enemy will find ways to seduce you to cut you off from your source of strength. Seduction is something that is seemingly attractive to you. Seduction is not just about relationships. It is, as the scripture writes, it's the thing you're lured into that you're finding yourself doing and participating. Even though there's a part of you that does know it's wrong, you just can't help yourself being sucked in to that way of life. You know it's wrong to be that way, but like a moth to a candle flame, you just find yourself attracted. Samson was attracted to the very thing that killed him the very thing that killed him. And this is what I want you to see. Delilah played with Samson for days. He thought he had Delilah under control. He thought Delilah wanted to share his life, but Delilah wanted to destroy his life because when you give Delilah an inch, she will always take a mile. And I want you to understand today, every single one of us, Delilah is knocking on your door. Delilah is whispering in your ear. And Delilah is demanding more of your time and more of your intention. Delilah for you might be a relationship that you are pursuing that you know is wrong. Delilah might be a friendship that you're forging with people that you know are no good for you, but it's fun, it's hype, it's a laugh, it's a moment. And like the moth, you're getting drawn in. It's Delilah to you. Delilah could be Netflix. Delilah could be overspending. Delilah could be alcohol. Delilah could be addiction. You can draw your own. Delilah is pornography. Delilah is causing your eye to look where your eye should not be looking. Delilah is what you find out there that you think is better than being present with the presence of God. Delilah is whatever lifestyle you find attractive. Samson was attracted to the very thing that killed him. And in the same way, the very thing that you're attracted to will kill you. Samson's weakness, by the way, was not women. Samson's weakness was lack of leadership in his own life. Samson's weakness was lack of self-control. Samson was born, created by God, destined to be a great leader and a judge in Israel. But how can you lead others when you can't lead yourself? The Spirit of God was on him and gave him supernatural strength. But when he disobeyed God's word, his strength left him. 
He was tied up and bound by the Philistines. And he thought, it's not a problem. I'll just shake free like I did last time. And the scripture tells us he did not perceive that the spirit of the Lord had left him. Samson lived his life through presumption of God rather than in relationship with God. Samson thought, I can make my own choices. I can, I can make my own choices and still have God's blessing. Samson thought, I can do what I want, whatever he wanted with his life and just call on God when he needed. Nazarite by name, not a Nazarite by nature. Sound familiar? Christian by name, not Christian by nature. No. And the consequences for Samson was at a time when he needed to cut God to really come through for him. The power of God had left him. Gone. And it got me thinking, how often do we treat God like the genie that we call upon in times of trouble? that we call upon for the answer to the problem, to the situation, for the need. God, I need you to come through, break through, sort it, fix it, help me, heal me. God, I've got an issue in my life. How much of our life is wasted calling upon the name of the Lord to bail us out what we've created? God's like, I'm after relationship. I'm after relationship. Nehemiah 8.10, I want to just bring this home right now so this makes sense and hits where our life finds us today. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't want to be praying for God for strength when you're praying, when you're facing a difficult time. No, no, no. You want to find the joy of the Lord because then you will be strong. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, when problems work against you as a child of God, you don't have to go down and under the same way that everybody else does because there's a different strength that can come upon you to get you through what you're going through. But some of you, you're that busy doing. Some of you are that busy going through things. Some of you are that busy serving God, acting, doing the everyday thing that actually you've forgotten what it is to find your joy in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When you can start living life, not just asking God what you want from Him, but thanking Him for what He has done for you, for what He has brought you through, for what He has given you. Life might not be perfect and you might be in lack and you might not, and you might be in need, but the joy of the Lord is found in gratitude. God, I love you just because you're God. I love you because I've got a pulse in my body today. I love you, God, because you put me in that environment. I might not like the job, but I'm surrounded by people that do not know you. So God, give me your joy so that I might be strong, so that others begin to say to me, where is the source of your strength? 
do you go through what you go through and keep on going. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Those who wait on the Lord will find renewed strength. Some of you are working for the Lord. You're doing what you know to do. You're running around after people. You're serving in the house of God. You're here, you're there, you're everywhere, but you've forgotten what it is to wait on the Lord. And you're wondering, where's my energy gone? Where's my passion gone? Where's my fire gone? No. When did you just last wait on the Lord? Serve Him with a gladful heart. God, I'm doing this for you, not because that person needs me. God, I just want to be present in the house of God, not because I need a filling up, but because I just come today to pay honor to you, God, to give glory to you, God, to thank you, God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And those who wait and hope upon the Lord will find renewed strength. Church, can we stand in here this morning? takes a strong man to lead his family well. It's what we started out by saying today. Strong men. Men that are able to say no. Men that are able to lead well. You can't be a strong man if you don't know where your source of strength comes from. You can't be a strong man if you don't know what it is to seek God. You can't be a strong man if you don't know what it is to have gratitude for the things that God has already done for you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we're going to close and we're going to pray. But I'm just going to pray one prayer today. And if you're in here today and you have felt fatigued, and I don't just mean hot weather fatigued, I'm talking about flat in my spirit flat in my approach to life flat in my family flat in my marriage flat leading and raising my children I just feel flat I don't even want to go to work every day I just like my mojo has gone then I'm telling you right now this spirit that gives you joy that engages your strength has departed but it is right there God is waiting for you to invite him back in he says look right never mind all this creatine and all this other gumph you boys pump yourselves up with it's like the joy of the Lord is what you need you need to be able to just express yourself before God and say God I'm so thankful I'm so thankful for what I do have it's not perfect but God I'm here and while I'm here there's hope and while I'm here I can keep on going so I want to pray for you today that you will find a new joy for your life and honestly, I was going to say, if you're in here today and you're feeling flat and fatigued, let's just extend our arms. Why don't we just extend our arms? If you feel comfortable doing that, let's just put our arms towards heaven as we pray and we call upon God and say, God, this is me. This is me. I might not have the long hair. It's like the wedding band finger. I'm just going to put my arms up, Lord God, so that you can see this is me doing business with you. This is me today saying, I can't do this on my own. This is me saying, God, life feels a bit flat and a bit fruitless at the moment. So, Father God, I thank you that this day, Lord, that you look upon every arm raised in this house. That, Father God, as we go into the week, Lord God, you empower us differently because we make you our priority. God, that we do not get cut up with 
with what has been or what may be. But Lord God, we're steadfast in you. We're focused on you. We say, God, I need strength that is not of this world. I need to be able to endure. I need to be courageous, God. I need to be patient, God. I need answers. I need wisdom, Lord God. I don't know how to do the things that I know that I need to do. My kids are off the rails. My marriage is falling apart. My job is on the rocks. And I call upon the name of the Lord and I say, God, I delight myself in you. Strengthen me, God, from the inside out once again. Father God, I pray as we worship you and as we sing to you, that your Holy Spirit will breathe afresh in this place today, God, and we will feel you and know you like never before. And I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.